Welcome to Connection with Brian and Nicole Wright. Hi, welcome back to Hello. another episode of Connection with Brian and Nicole. Hello, how are y'all doing? They're good. They're glad to be here. <laughs> I'm glad you answered for them. <laughs> I'm like, wait, are we going to hear this? <laughs> it's another great week and we are excited to be here with you. We've got an interesting topic today that I think everybody has asked themselves yes. and wanted to know yes. before. What do you do when all hell breaks loose? Yes. We, we live in a corrupted world. It's going to happen. So what do you do? Yeah, I recently preached this message and uh, at the church, and we had a huge response from it. There were people that were uh, sending us messages online that they had been watching it. People in the church were saying, I am so glad uh, that you preach this message. And so we wanted to share it with you as well uh, here at Connection Show. And uh, before we get going, we just want to hear from you. If you're uh, watching or listening to the show, please go to connectionshow.org. Uh, send us a message. Say hello. Let us know where you're watching from. Uh, you can send in a prayer request. Uh, you can tell us uh, you know, anything. Ask us questions that you have. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much for listening and watching connection with Brian and Nicole. We're glad to have you. And yeah. are you ready to jump in? Yeah. What do we do when all hell breaks loose? Anybody ever felt that besides me and uh, Nicole? <laughs> Nicole and I? I'm answering for everybody else too. <laughs> I think all of us have had a living. moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of us have had a moment when it seems like all hell breaks loose. And our response at that moment it's very important. Most of the time, when we respond, how we respond when all hell breaks loose determines what's going to happen. That's right. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just go, oh, God. But they don't realize that God's already told them what to do. He's shown them what to do. And that's what we're going to be talking about is how do we respond. And uh, the biggest key to it we're going to be talking about today uh, what do we do when all hell breaks loose? So let's jump in. So where are we going first? Well, I think Luke's a good place to start. <laughs> That's good. It's Luke one of my chapter favorites. 13. Yeah. And uh, before we read this, what I want to give, we're going to give you a couple of scriptures here, one in Luke and one in John. And here we have a couple of stories that are very interesting. Not everybody... Uh, I would say gets these and understands what's really going on here. We kind of read it and go, oh yeah, that, that's nice. Well, then, what's the <laughs> next scripture? You know, A lot of times we just kind of skip over these stories. And um, I was doing that one day and the Lord really started talking to me about these uh, particular stories. So let's read these stories and then we're going to go and look at what they mean. And it has to do with all hell breaking loose. So let's read I've that. I've got it. Luke 13. Luke 13 verses 1 through 5 say, right. Now on the same occasion there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you all likewise will perish. 
So a lot of people will take this uh, thought and the first thing that they go to is, man, these guys died. We better repent. You know, <laughs> we better get on our face and get before God. But repent in the Bible means more than just getting on our face. It means seeing things different, yeah. having a heart change. And, and many times he's talking about change the way you think. Change the way you look at this. And that's what he's talking about right here. It's doing it, a complete 180. Yes, yes. It is also, you know, changing the way we think about sin. But I think there's a big question here. Uh, we're going to come back to this in a second and look at it in more detail. Before we do that, let's read the other story and look at both of them together. Okay, so that's John chapter 9. Verses 1 through 7. There you go. Go ahead. Thanks. I think I will. <laughs> says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? <laughs> All right, so <laughs> stop right there. This is a brilliant question. <laughs> it's like, okay, the dude was born blind, and they're asking, did he did sin? Did the baby sin? Did the baby sin? Who doesn't even know how to sin yet? <laughs> it's like, here's your sign. Yeah, well, anyway... <laughs> The disciples were sharp sometimes, right? That gives us hope. Glory to God. We got some hope. If the disciples can make it and change the world, there's hope for us. Amen. <laughs> All right. Okay. So John 9, catching up with verse 3. Jesus answered. <laughs> Sorry. I'm caught up in that. You know he's probably thinking, you dummy. <laughs> Thankfully, he probably didn't say everything he thought. Imagine yeah, <laughs> I wonder if he controlled his face better than I do some days. Okay, so <laughs> Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents. It was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which translated means sent. So he went away and washed and he came back seeing. Amen. So we have two different stories here and both of them have to do with sin. Who yeah. sinned, right? And you notice most people say repent has to do with uh, we need to repent from that sin. And what he's saying is, you know, you need to change your way of thinking or you're going to fall into the same type of issues. But he's not really talking about the sin as much as he is how you approach sin, right? And so what's really asking, let me read this verse. It's John 9, verse 3. So in the New American Standard, it says this, Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned or his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So most people have taken this and then they use this scripture to interpret it that God put this and left this man here uh, sick so that now that Jesus came along, Jesus could look powerful. Well, what a... What a jerky way to do things. Yeah. That's not what was happening. Mm -hmm. What was happening was it, Jesus was basically saying, it doesn't matter how this man got here. 
Now that I'm on the scene, right. you're going to see the heart of God. Yeah. That matches up with the full counsel of God, his goodness, his loving nature. But people have taken this in the wrong way, and a lot of times they've used that uh, so that they don't have to apply faith towards healing, and they're not responsible when they have a lack of faith. It's a wrong way of looking at the scripture. When you know that God is love, and it's like, okay, I'm going to leave this guy sick simply so that I can show myself strong. Mm -hmm. Well, we'd get on to people in the world for that because right. we know that's the wrong way of thinking, and yet we've attributed it to God. That's just cruel. It's cruel, yeah. And a yeah. loving father is not cruel. No, and what Jesus is saying, look, Things have changed. This guy doesn't have to stay here anymore. And now you're going to see the glory of God come through. Yeah. And uh, so what he says, let's read the same verse. And uh, the disciples, remember, the disciples asked, who sinned? And let's read the same verse in the message because it really brings this point out. John, uh, in John 9, 3 in the message, it says, Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. What were they asking? Who sinned? Who sinned? Why? Why, Jesus? Mm -hmm. Why is this going on? Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause and effect here. Look instead. I love this statement. Look instead for what God can do. Look instead for what God can do. Now that puts us in the heart of a childlike faith looking to a loving father. Look instead for what God to do. Stop looking for the why. Stop looking for the cause and effect. Stop looking for who sinned. Stop. Even if it's within your own self, it's not that we don't need to judge ourselves. We do need to judge ourselves. We need to find, if we uh, continuously find ourselves in the place of lack, we need to sh let the Lord shine the light on us, judge ourselves, and discipline ourselves to clean ourselves up. But what we're doing is we're a lot of times remaining so sin conscious that we're not love of God conscious. And Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. You're coming at it from the wrong angle. Stop doing that and look at what God can do now and receive his love. You remember in 1 John, uh, I think it's chapter 4, it says that we love because he first loved us. So until I have received his love, until you and I have received his love, it's impossible for us to love. As a matter of fact, in another scripture it says, and they cannot love because they haven't received his love. Or they, they don't love because they don't know my love. They don't know me, right? And in other words, until we know his love, it's impossible for us to live love. So in other words, are we going to live a sin-free life that a sin-free life would be our love back to the Lord. Are we going to uh, live a life of love before we've received it? No. So God says, look, become a receiver of my love first and then allow that love to empower you. This is the same thing that he told the adulterous woman. He, he gave her love. He didn't make her get all straight first. She came to him because she was cast in that place. She came to him, and then all of a sudden now he says, Look, I'm not condemning you. I'm not punishing you. I'm forgiving you, setting you clean. Now she had received his love, and what was the next thing that Jesus said? He said, Now, go and sin no more. In other words, you've now received love, go and sin no more. So Jesus is saying, Stop looking at it from the sin side first. 
It's not that we don't need to examine that, but stop looking there first. Change your way of thinking. Repent. Stop thinking at it that way. Look at it from God's love side first, and then his love will come in you, and it will empower you to change that sin. All right, so now what you're really seeing in this is, we'll go back to this other uh, scripture in Luke chapter 13. It says, Now on the same occasion there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their own sacrifices. Now what had happened here was they were there making sacrifices. The blood was being offered and all of a sudden they were killed at the altar and their blood mixed with the blood of those sacrifices. A horrible situation. I mean, it was a horrible situation. And then he says, do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners? What was, he, what was he questioning them on? He was bringing them to the place where he's saying, what are you thinking about right now when you hear that? And the, you're talking to uh, a Jewish people that had been so focused on the law. They had been so focused on it. But Jesus came not talking about the law, but the kingdom of God. What he preached was the kingdom and that the kingdom has now come. Things have changed. And so he's trying to get them to stop thinking like the law. Start thinking about the love of the Father that's here to redeem you. Start thinking about the love of Jesus. Well, when and, you look at the sin and the sickness, you're constantly looking at the dark. Yes. How yes. well can you see in the dark? Yes. But when you look at the light, and Jesus says, I am the light, then you see everything you need to see. You see the answer. Yes. And he'll shine the light on anything that needs to change. Yeah. So we have to constantly keep our eyes on the light. So when we ask why we're looking to the sin or the sickness or the problem, yes. we're looking in the dark trying to figure out why the dark is there. Yes. Instead, when we ask why, or when we ask um, what can God do with this, and we say, I trust God. I don't know why. I don't know how. It doesn't matter. But yeah. Lord, I'm looking to you. Then we're looking in the light and trusting he will shine his light on anything we need to see yes. as well as shining the light on where we need to go to get past that darkness. Exactly. And the word tells us that when we uh, live by the law, uh, as soon as we mess up in one element, we're guilty of all. Yeah. So if all we're doing is constantly thinking about what am I doing wrong and not considering the love of God, then what happens is we're living by the law. We're trying to uphold every standard of which we are not capable of doing without allowing the love of God to do what right. it does. And so in other words, Jesus is saying, you're going to perish this same way if you keep thinking according to the law. Yeah. Stop thinking according to the law. I'm come. Matter of fact, I'm reminded, before we go on right there, let's go over to John chapter 3. This is getting a little bit more in depth here than what I was wanting to, but I think this helps us. John chapter 3, 16. John 3, 16. Have you ever heard that verse before? Sounds vaguely familiar. Have you, okay, well, let's read it. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. And then a lot of times we stop right there, but let's look at verse 17. Right here is a key to what we're talking mm -hmm. about. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world. Now look, is he talking about Christians here? No. 
he's talking about the world. That's right. He didn't send his son to judge the world. That means everybody. Yes. He didn't send his son. But he sent his son that the world might be saved through him. In other words, he wasn't there to bring judgment and condemnation. He was there to get them out of judgment and condemnation. All of them. Every, all of them, yes. every person out of every piece of that. And so when we go back here and we see, he knows that the disciples' first thought is, what did they do to deserve their punishment? What did they do to deserve their death? And then he says, do you suppose, he asked him a question right on top of it. Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? In other words, he's, he's, he's messing with them a little bit. He's kind of, you know, he's like, I know what you're thinking. And then he says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, change your way of thinking, you'll fall prey to the same fate. You will all likewise perish. You will perish because you keep living by the law mm -hmm. instead of by the grace of God and by the love of God. Now, the grace of God, let me just stop right there because a lot of people are like, well, I can do anything because I'm in grace. No, it says the grace of God empowers us uh, over in, I believe it's Peter. It says the grace of God empowers us to deny all ungodliness. So the grace is there to empower us, but it, we're not sin conscious. We're conscious of the love of God. And we receive that love of God, and then the love of God empowers us to live and escape these moments like this. Uh, you go over into 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We won't put it up, but it's that's where it tells us that we can find a way of escape. Go into 2 Corinthians 2, 14. It says he's always leading us to triumph. But that escape and that triumph is not by up, up, uh, keeping up the law. That escape and that triumph is there because we move into the places of his love. We're empowered by his grace. We're moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will enlighten us. Hey, there's some bad stuff coming down. Get out of here. If we're moving by the law, then it's always up to us. If we're moving by love, then it's always on the Father. And, that's what, and then he says this. He goes right back to it. After he talks about the people that were slaughtered at the altar, he says, Do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, they were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? He says, I tell you, no. In other words, it wasn't a worse culprit or a better culprit. It wasn't who sinned more or who sinned less. These guys were in the wrong place at the wrong time, and, and there was stuff going on. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. But when we live by love, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, always leads us to triumph. And it's not a matter of who sinned or who didn't sin. It's not a matter of the law. The law will always get us killed because we cannot uphold every right. piece of it. He's saying here, and he's saying over here where he says, is this man blind from birth? The question is not who sinned, what's going on, what's the cause and effect. The question is, do you trust me? Jesus is saying, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what happens, do you trust me? That's the question. Do you trust me? And he's always going, look, it doesn't matter what you're trying to uh, decipher it to or boil it down to. Jesus was saying, 
You've got to learn to trust me no matter where you find yourself. The question is not, uh, the question is not how we got here. Let me read this in the message again. It says, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Look instead for, Father, I trust you in this situation right? See, a lot of times what happens is we'll get into a bad situation and the first thing our mind goes to is, do I deserve this? Yeah. Do I deserve this? That's the first thing we'll head to. And Jesus is saying, stop thinking, repent from thinking like that. Change your way of thinking and start saying, do I trust you? Lord, do, what do you deserve? What does Jesus deserve? Because I am in him and he is in me. I'm abiding in the vine. What does Jesus deserve? And do I trust the Father to treat Jesus right? Father, I trust you. Right now in this situation when I find myself, I'm not looking to the law, who messed up, who didn't mess up. I'm looking to, Father, do I trust you? Amen. Now, when we look at this, I want to show you this uh, other set of verses. Let's go into Genesis and chapter 2 and verse 15. When all hell breaks loose in your life, the question is, do you trust me? The question is, will you trust God? This is what the devil will seek to get your mind off of. Will you trust him? What happens so many times when all hell breaks loose in our life is we say, I don't know what's going to happen here. And what is the devil after? And what is our corrupted flesh pushing us in fear towards? I can't trust God right here. There's too much. Do you know how big my circumstances are? Do you know what's going on? And Jesus was saying, you're asking the wrong question. Do you trust me? Well, that question of trust has been the same problem with mankind ever since the garden. In the garden here, in Genesis chapter 2, would you like to read that? Yeah, verses 15 through 17 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in, that day you, in the day that you will eat from it, you will surely die. So in this situation, what's happening? They're put in the garden. They're given some commands. Basically, all they got to do is uphold one command. One command. But in that moment, the devil comes in and he tempts them. So let's look at this. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. That reminds me of the little things you see, the little jokes. It says, you had one job. One jo <laughs> there was one job. <laughs> and it's always yeah. messed up. <laughs> All right. All right, so chapter 3, verse 1 through 6 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from tr any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, hold on before we read the next verse. So what's happening right here? Everything's going great. They have heaven-like atmosphere right. in the garden. There's an 
Eden blessing that's on their lives. Right now, hell is trying to break into their lives. Hell is trying to break. And what's the first thing the devil goes after? The very first thing that he goes after is, do you really trust God? Can you really trust him? What if he's holding back on you? Mm -hmm. This is what the devil's after. He's after that trust. That He's after that thing that says, no matter what I see, no matter what I experience, no matter what I, what I find, I will trust him. No matter if I hear about people over here getting slaughtered at the altar, no matter if I hear about how these guys were believers, but the tower fell on them, you know, no matter if I, I see this guy that's been blind from birth, the question is, do I trust him? God. The devil knows if he can break that trust, he's got you. That's it. And we've got to put on trust. Lord, here's what's got to spring up in that moment stronger than anything else. Lord, I might not know what's going on. I might not know how to handle this. I might not know where this is supposed to be going. I might not know the cause. I might not know the effect. I might, I might have been the one that messed up to get me here. But no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, right now in this moment, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Lord, I put my faith and my trust in you. I am yours to command. You tell me what to do. You are the Lord of my life. You are the director of my life. I am yours to command, and I trust you. Had Eve done that in this moment, everything everything would have been different. If you will... change that and you will stay in trust no matter what you see everything will change but Eve didn't do that she said when the woman saw that the tree was good for food her eyes were not on trusting God they were on food they saw she saw that it was a delight to the eyes it made her feel good and the tree was desirable to make one wise She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And now the hell that was trying to break loose broke into her life, and everything went downhill. Hell will constantly try to break into your life, but the person who puts their trust in the Lord will be strengthened with his might. Right now, I don't know where you're at or what you're going through, but hell might be trying to break into your life, and you have to answer this question. Will I trust God? God is so good. He's so trustworthy. He is willing to step into your life and him handle the hell that's trying to break in. He had given them direction. All they had to do was listen to him. All they had to do was simply listen to what he had said. All you have to do right now is simply listen and your uh, outcome can be different. No matter where you're at, whether you're in the middle of hell or maybe everything's going good, you can be a part and on the side of a good and loving Father who wants to get His love, His grace, and His righteousness in your life. And He wants to help you move away from that sin right now so that you can stay in the place of His blessing. 
Pray this with me right now. Say, Jesus, Jesus right, now, right now, I trust you. I trust you. You, are the Lord of my life. you are the Lord of my life. You are my Redeemer. You're my Redeemer. I receive you, I receive you as, my as my Savior. I believe, I believe that, you died for me. that you died for me. I believe, I believe that, the God the Father that God the Father brought you back, brought to, life. You back to life. And when he raised you up, he raised, you up, he raised me up he with raised you. Me up with Father, right now, Father, right now, I receive your salvation. I receive your salvation. Jesus, Jesus, feel me me with your spirit spirit. to live this life of trust trust. in Jesus name name. amen amen Amen. send us a note that you prayed that prayer we love you we're going to talk more about when all hell breaks loose next week bye-bye thank you for joining Brian and Nicole for this week's broadcast connection is all about connecting you more intimately with Jesus where you can find true joy and really live Contact us or watch more shows online at ConnectionShow.org. We love you. Have a great week.